In a world where global communication is connecting us in many ways, we need to stay connected anytime, anywhere, any place. Welcome to the world of Athelos. Welcome to Athelos World and this our In Conversation podcast series. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Marco Swan from the UN Global Compact Netherlands. Welcome, Marco. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Subair, for having me. And uh, I wish uh, we could do this in person, but you know, this is the second best thing. I, I think we're moving f- further along that journey of getting to that point where we can meet in person. And I really look forward to that day. Um, as I know many people who are listening in today and later uh, are also hoping as well. So you've just come back from COP26 in Glasgow. I'm sure that was a, an exciting and amazing experience. So I'm keen to learn what your takeaways are and what you've been up to, not just during COP week, but also as a result of COP week. So I just want to set the context for people listening in. So we, we journeyed through 2020 um, with all the ups and downs that we've had um, and the twists and turns around the pandemic. Um, But we knew that sustainability and clean energy was quickly evolving. Um, And this has been no more apparent than all the new trends we we saw in 2021 and we might see in 2022. Um, We talked about net zero emissions being on its way to replace the climate positivity, sorry, being replaced by climate positivity, sustainable products that were just taking off last year uh, and seem to be booming now. And obviously we talked briefly about ESG investing taking over the financial world. And we're also seeing more and more cities and states requiring companies to report on energy use and emissions. So today's really trying to encapsulate all of that. And I know that's a lot, and we might not cover it in one podcast, um, and see what needs to be done if we're really to address climate action as we journey into 22. Mm -hmm. So Marco, tell us a little bit about your experience of COP26, because I'm really keen to understand that and you know sounds like like i say it was an amazing experience so what are the key takeaways that that you had whilst you were there so um first of all let me say that that for me personally the most important thing for this uh for this cop was to keep the 1.5 alive um and i can honestly say that um i think the COP26 succeeded in doing that, uh, that it is still on the table, uh, which, was not, uh, which was not always uh, assured when we look at the past, past year and also the, the months leading up to COP26. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the business community has played a very strong role in pushing governments, national governments all around the world to... To, to stick to that 1.5 degree as they are also trying to do and committing to do. And do you think that's because there's a better understanding from the private sector about what the implications of not doing something, not taking action is? Or is it just that pandemic and COVID just provided an opportunity for us to reflect and we have less things to do with our time, so that became a priority? No, I think I think the the eyes of of business, so, so to say, has have been opened. Uh, I mm-hmm. think sustainability and business is becoming more and more mainstream uh, around the world. Um, a very very quick example: uh, when when 
the business ambition for 1.5 campaign, which is a campaign where businesses commit to setting science-based targets uh, through the science-based targets initiative aligned with a 1.5 degree scenario. Mm -hmm. That campaign was launched in 2019 with only 28 companies uh, at the time. And last week, or actually a few days before, um, during COP26, we reached the thousand company mark wow. uh, for that campaign. So that is a massive growth um, yeah. in, in turning the two degree ambition, uh, which was up until then uh, considered to be fine, uh, to really change that into 1.5 degrees becoming the standard uh, for business. And, you know, the science-based targets initiative right now, they, they're not even accepting two degree pledges anymore. Um, so I feel like business is moving in the right direction in general. Of course, there's always exceptions. Um, and at the same time, I also think that society in general is putting their faith uh, in business to actually take on this role. And, and businesses feel this and they are taking their responsibility. But is that, uh, so I've got two, two sort of tangents on that. So one is, is that because businesses are perceived to be more innovative or more agile than perhaps governments are? And that's not a, a gripe at governments for not doing enough, because I know I've worked in government and I know how difficult it, it can be to move things along. Um, so are, is the private sector more innovative or are they more agile? That's the first point. And the second point is, is 1.5 degree actually enough? You know, do, do we need to actually move towards... You know, one degree or even zero yeah yeah now that's those those are two very good good questions um let me let me start with the last question uh, because i think it's very important to note that of course uh 1.5 is not an ideal world uh, far from it uh, it will actually be a world in which still 70 percent of coral reefs have disappeared at least um so you're absolutely right. 1.5 is definitely not, um, you know, the the ideal world. If if you would if if you would make a picture of that, but it is right now the the most ambitious but still realistic path forward, and it will give people a chance. You know, it will give people a chance, and two degrees for many regions around the world, and for many people. Is is similar to a death sentence. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's so, that's alarming news, Mark. I mean, if we even at one, if, if I'm understand you correctly, even at one point five degrees, the world is going to be a very different place. Yeah. There's going to be much trade off, and there may not be things around that we now take for granted. So, if we really want to move forward, then I think we need to move uh, work a little bit harder and smarter and collectively. Because it's everyone's responsibility, you know, ourselves, um, uh, not just as representatives of organizations, but as individual citizens as well, uh, and members yeah. of families and communities. So I think we need to move a little bit further than the 1.5 degree. And what's your thought on business being an innovator? Is is that an, a correct assumption? For, for uh, certain definitely. I, I, I think it's, yeah, no, absolutely. I think business in general is is a force for for innovation 
Uh, I do think it's very important to acknowledge the role that governments play in in facilitating this this role that business can take as innovators with the assurances and sometimes and often also financial support. Uh, so so let me make sure that 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 is clear as well. Um, but in general, if if you look at the uh, Edelman Barometer report, uh, which comes out every year and and it tests where do does society in which institutions do they have most trust? And at the moment, this is business. This is not governments. This is not the press or NGOs. This is business. Um, and it's important that business takes on this responsibility. And in general, I understand, because if I look at the political situation for the last five years around the world, then I believe we can only conclude that it has been a very instable uh, um, ineffective political situation for the last five years. And we see uh, in many ways uh, ad yeah, advances that have been made in the past being reversed. Um, so in that sense, and this is also part of why I chose to work with business and not with governments for now mm -hmm. is because at the moment governments or businesses are way more uh, in, in a way better position to actually uh, change things and make a positive impact and governments are in in a less yeah in, in a lesser position at the moment although the last two years things have become a little bit better than uh, than five years ago so when we when we talk about companies um and they've got this agility and this appetite for whatever reason that's been placed upon them to sort of be innovative with products and services and now address climate change do you think companies are going to be required by government to disclose the climate risks to public? So what their products, so for example, we, we have products and I mean, I'm just thinking of packaging at the moment because it's the easiest mm -hmm. one I can think of and it says yeah. this is recycled, but is that enough? And do you think we're going to move towards companies being required as say by government to disclose the climate risk? So whether that be on packaging, whether that be on on their website, whether it be on reports. Um, and if that's the case, do you think that's going to affect things like share price and willingness of investors to invest? Because that, that's got to be a positive thing, right? If investors are now aware about the mm -hmm. um, ethical output of a company, then that's surely going to have some impact, right? And that might... might yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I mean, this this has been clear for for a while now that um, a large amount of investors uh, in the world are are clearly saying we want to invest sustainably. Mm -hmm. um, however, the difficulty has always been what is considered a sustainable investment and what is not to be considered a sustainable yeah. investment, and and this makes things very difficult for the financial sector to play a, a catalyst role, so to say. But now we're seeing with the, with the EU taxonomy uh, being released uh, that this argument uh, no longer applies and that actually a huge uh, amount of, of capital is being freed to flow towards sustainability and, and sustainable uh, projects and, and sustainable companies or at least companies that are being more sustainable than others, right? Because often it's, it's still uh, a relative exercise in that sense. 
So I would, I would definitely see sustainable finance and then there's a few more uh, developments, but as one of the key, key developments that, that we can put, yeah, we, we, can, we can have, uh, have hope, so to say, from that. Yeah. And do you, think, do you think it helps when companies have a sustainability baseline of where they are? So yeah. that's not necessarily going a deep dive into all their reporting and all of their missions, but at least get a lay of the land of this is how we're, this is where we are right now and we yeah. know we need to do better. Do you think something that, that is helpful? Definitely, definitely. And I, I expect, like, like you said uh, just a few minutes ago, that more and more, uh, either by governments or by, by other stakeholders, government, uh, companies will be expected to be more transparent and more accountable uh, with regards to their impact on society and the planet. Um, and if, you, if as a company you're not already working on that right now, then you are, you are falling behind, then you are lacking. And if you are the last ones to actually accept the fact that you, that you have to make this transition, then I think uh, the very question of your business's survival uh, oh. is, is on the table. That's an interesting point you highlight, and that's another podcast in itself. <laughs> and one, of the, one of the other points I wanted to just raise with you quickly is going, just going a little bit back further to your time during COP26 is mm-hmm. uh, I know clean air uh, was talked about a lot and, you know, cities like London and, and you've got you know, New York uh, as two prime examples of um, air pollution being a priority for the government. Yeah. Um, and we've seen pictures of polluted skylines and that became clearer during the pandemic. And the importance of, I guess, air quality came into stark focus as a result. In addition to, you know, respiratory diseases like coronavirus still being a major threat, you know, we're, we're far yeah. from at the end of that. Um, it, it's clear to you know, me, certainly, that clean air is vital for health and wellness. So do you think from what was discussed at COP26, the agreement that's been sort of um, discussed and, and put forward, do we expect to see a significant improvement in air quality being a big issue in 2022? Or do you think that's just going to work in parallel to all the other things that are priority and it's difficult to balance? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I feel, I mean, we, we have to, to uh, make sure that uh, we understand that the COP26 was, was mostly about the national governments agreeing on targets that actually uh, make sure that we, that we keep control of, of, over global warming. And um, when it comes to air, air pollution and air quality, in my experience, uh, this is often dealt with more on a local level by local governments. Um, so my expectation is definitely especially in the cities and places that have seen such, such a difference during, during COVID-19, that it that it's, will be more up to governments to put uh-huh. that on the agenda for their uh, 2022, 2023 years uh, to improve. Um, so cities, indeed, have, in my opinion, a huge role to play when it comes to, to uh, ensuring good quality air uh, for their That's citizens. Good. Yeah. So we can we can all be part of that narrative as well, Marco. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on today for this in conversation uh, podcast. Um, clearly, 
we have got a lot more to discuss. Yes. So we're going to leave it. Let, let's let's pause as part one, okay. uh, and let's have you back in, and we'll talk about some of the other things that were on the table. Um, I wanted to discuss with you what electric utility companies are doing um, to reinvent themselves given the pressure they're facing, but also. Um, you know, a little bit more on this issue of um, disclosing climate risks to the public. So um, let, let's do that. Let's get you back in. Um, Looking thank, forward you, to thank you once again for your time. And um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll touch base again soon. Yes, so thank you so much. much. That's all for today. Uh, thank you for everyone listening into this podcast. And um, we'll be joined by Marco again uh, in due course to continue the conversation around what we can all do collectively to address climate action and move towards positive climate action. Uh, thank you for listening and uh, goodbye. Athelos is the magical wizard in communication solutions around the world. One number, one world. For information, athelos.world or athelos.com. Welcome to the world of Athelos.